we should record in speakers and direct, you know, and then blend it and make it. Like, we should so reamp fucking, our fucking. We should vocals, reamp our votes, dude. dude. Oh yeah. my god. Let's fucking make a podcast. Let's Episode 138, GearBuds Podcast. I'm Henry. That's Dave. What's up? We're going to do our show. Here's a symphony of corrections. Here's your weekly reminder. Cables are tone tubes. Thank you. I love you. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Subscribe, Spotify, Apple. Email us at GearBudsPodcast at gmail.com. We, we, we get emails. Keep them coming. Uh, people, people write out right into us. Uh, let's get into that real fast because people have been writing to us. Uh, right. First of all, wanted to give a shout out. He, he gets shouts all the time. That's because we love him. Our buddy, J-O-B, Handsome Johnny. You, Dave, sent me a Mosrite, a vintage Mosrite base Pretty the cool. other day. I was like, that's a sick little kicker. And it was on a Craigslist, a rare Craigslist search for me. And uh, Wasn't it? No, it wasn't. It was Craigslist. Yeah, that's what and I thought. And that's yeah. why I was like, oh, okay. I don't, I'll don't. Sh- I'll shout I'll sh- I'll shout a little. I, I didn't actually toss a ball yet, but yeah. I, did, I did just send an email like, hey, that's a cool little base. Yeah. Are you open any trades? Yeah, it was a or is short, it cash it was only? Sixties. Well, it wasn't a real most right. It was a guy. Oh, that's right. It was, so a, it was a copy. So copy. you know, um, but it's a bolt-on neck. It was a. It was an uh, Olympic white, which is actually kind of a rarer color. I think just a little neck pickup. Little neck pickup. Short scale. Tortoise guard. Little cool. thumper. And and you you always talk about short scales, so I I want a away. shorty. And it turns out our buddy handsome Johnny ptd unlimited it was his listing cool little base he's like yeah i'm interested uh, maybe in a podcast so uh, we could trade a podcast <laughs> for a base come on in anytime come and get it bring the base by we'll come oh love that you might not leave with it okay uh here we go oh we got a shot from one of our friends down in mexico who was uh, listening to us in a bu- in a bubble bath listening to that beatles episode so wow. give giving them a shout by the way dude that beatles episode our longest one ever yeah well, thanks Holy for editing moly. what you needed to edit. Wowzers! I did, yeah, I did, I did take a solid chunk, but it's still, it was still like almost yeah. an hour forty-five. So I was just elated with that conversation, and I'm still beaming off that that film and the conversation. I actually went back and watched some parts, and I want to. I did Symphony of Corrections myself. What do you got? When you were talking about the round bass thing, I think I must have fell asleep during that part. Oh yeah, yeah. The, the with the with the multiple neck was thing? it long? It was long. Yeah. yeah. So I was watching because I rewatched some. And it's of the, like red and yellow and blue. I made by that crazy guy. I think it was the end of the second one or the middle of the second one. I don't know. Wherever I kind of dozed off. And I mean, hey, seven hours. You know, that's a lot of stuff. So yeah, it's like a big weird like cylinder thing. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. Okay. What the hell was that? I don't know. They only show it for a second and then yeah. they don't really address it. So it, I okay. I, when you sort of were like, yeah, I, don't know, I was like, did I hallucinate that? Did well, there's I make a that scene, up in my brain. There's a scene with the, like the other the guy. I think it's the same guy, but he's like tinkering with this thing on the floor and it's got like tuning pegs on it, but it almost looks like a weird. It almost looks like an accordion or something weird, like something really strange, like a hmm. lute accordion combo yeah. thing just some weird instrument i've never seen and he's tinkering on the floor with it and i thought that's what you were referring no, to no no so if any, that anyone knows boy. what either of those instruments are tell us more yeah <laughs> love it good 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 self-correction on yeah that. yeah keeping, it, it, keeping it real in the symphony uh as this is a travel week so folks this we're do we're recording a little bit early here uh, yep. Normally we go for this on Fridays. It comes out on Mondays. Today's Wednesday, so it's just like a couple days after the last one came out. Short week, short episode after the long one because I'm going to Arizona to visit my aunts and maybe visit a canyon. You never know what's going to happen. By the time you're back, they'll be listening, and I hope you had a great trip. Thank. Yeah, I will. You're right. Exactly. I. I, I don't actually I haven't decided if I'm a, I might have to edit this today, which is like not mm. my favorite thing to do. But, you know, we'll see. We'll figure it out. But yeah, this will be coming out the day that I get back that afternoon. So that'll be neat. Uh, shout out to Arizona. We love Arizona. Oh, we had some more of our friends listening and uh, write in and got to talk to our good buddy. We got we got a check in from our good buddy, Steve, up in hey, Milwaukee. Haven't heard from him in a few weeks. Professor Steve, speakers, wires, you call them what you want. Uh, so uh, first I, of all... Do I know where this is going? I think you know a bit where this is going. We we definitely said drums are drums during <laughs> that Beatles episode, and he sent me a, a lovely string oh, of God. Chris Farley reactions, mostly Excellent. him having a heart attack. Perfect. Uh, and then here he says, he goes, and here I've been meaning to chime in to defend Dave. You're going to like this. So we were talking about... Hmm. Actually, I'll just read his thing. A while back, you guys were talking about Coltrane, and he threw out Kind of Blue as a Coltrane album, and you reminded him it is a Miles Davis album, but John Coltrane does also play on Kind of Blue. So he wanted to chime in on that. So I was half right. You were half right. Uh, he said, I thought bassists and drummers stuck together. Oh. There was an implied get fucked at the end yeah, of that. Yeah, well, but there's I more. apologized. You d- he deserved it. 
I'm also unsure about the dead fish smell of spent caps. I haven't worked on old on old equipment to run into caps that have dried out, but I have blown up my share of caps, and there was a stench for sure. I don't remember if it was smish, uh, I don't remember if smishy. I don't remember if the smell was fishy or not. But now I'll be on the lookout for blown caps and see if they do in fact smell like dead fish. On the other hand, perhaps your friend was talking about dead carps instead of dead caps, and I had to include that Dude. really terrible joke because that's Steve, baby. It's great. Uh, there you go. There's that. Keeping it in the symphony here. Wow, there's a lot in the symphony today. Folks, it's going to be heavy in the symphony. Depends on how Dave's doc goes, whether that's long or not, because I don't know what he watched yet. If it's if it happens to be the thing that I've also watched, and we can it could talk be about, longer than usual. It could be longer than usual. And then at the end, we've got a couple more things. In fact, a surprise for Dave, which I'm excited about. Oh, wow. But, uh, let's just keep this moving. Wanted to say, uh, oh, dude, here we go. Let's get, in it, let's get into some real news here. Uh, Carlos Lopez. Our buddy, former guest, one of the the twelve master builders at Fender, has left Fender. Oh wow! There and then there were eleven. Uh, he left as of this week, I believe. No news exactly what the deal is yet. I mean, it it did seem like uh, he, you know, he decided to leave as 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 far as the story that I read went. I have not reached out because I just learned about that this morning. Okay, and uh, you know, you don't want to like be weird right away when someone has a new no. job but it might be him starting his own guitar company i, I hope he we keeps don't building i hope he keeps oh building. me at too. least as a I hobby mean, or something the he's been a master builder master. since 2019 yeah uh, studied under todd kraus he's been he was at fender since 2006 uh, we don't need to re- rerun all this if you want go listen to the episode when he was on the show mm-hmm. he's one of our buddies but if you don't i mean if you want like a badass marauder or fender 12 or yeah the, or the brawler he was the guy. Yeah, His was. last build, actually, he posted on Instagram was a real sick Starcaster. So, oh, cool. That's that. But yeah, just one. That's kind of. I guess I don't know if I would call it a GFI or GFI, just because I don't. We know. don't know yet. We don't know yet. But good there luck go. to him. There you go. This is definitely a GFI because we got to give a happy birthday to one of our favorites, one of the weirdest guys and most amazing guys in our gear world, Mike Mike Matthews. Celebrated his 80th birthday on yeah. Monday, actually, the December 6th. Awesome. Isn't that something? You just sent that to me this morning, too. Yeah. I didn't know about that. I saw it last night, late at night, trying to sleep, and decided to go on the internet, which isn't ever a good idea. Gotta but go on the web. I'm glad I did, because I saw this article, and uh, I guess they sent him... Uh, many guitarists reached out and uh, sent him notes. Dude, so many guitarists reached out. John Frusciante, Jack White, Emily Wolf, Noel Gallagher, Vernon Reed, Adrian Ballou, Peter Frampton, Bill Kelleher, Guthrie Govan, Yvette Young, my personal favorite, John McLaughlin. Uh, and then uh, there was a, I, I wrote down a quote from Adrian Ballou. He said, your accomplishments are so very meaningful and legendary. I would never have become the musician I am without you. You truly changed my life. Yeah. That's that's from coming from Adrian Ballou, yeah. King Crimson, Talking Heads, the Insane. man frank zappa i mean come on yeah uh ehx has been around since 1968 man that's crazy shit and the cool thing is that all these letters that these guitar players wrote in and, and musicians wrote in there are on the ehx site should you want to go peruse them all for cool. yourself so yeah okay cool go check that out i didn't out. know we, you could do that centrally maybe we'll maybe we'll tussle yeah i, on the I saw one um man I, i'm trying to remember who it was and i feel bad that i can't remember but they were basically saying they met him at Nam when they were like 16 years old. Oh, it was Fram? No, 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 that would have been too early for. Was Fram- it for Shanti? It was for Shanti. Yeah, and he yeah, was yeah. just like, but he would, but he was talking to someone else, and he just like overheard their conversation and was just like, "This is the craziest shit yeah. ever." Um, but fucking 80, electro harmonics. 80 years too. going strong, still doing Happy wacky birthday. shit. Happy birthday, Mike Matthews. This is a BFI. I'm just gonna go out here okay. and say it because this is ridiculous, and I don't know if you've heard about this yet, Dave. But the band Megadeth. With everyone's favorite fucking weirdo, Dave Mustaine. Did you hear about this? No. But I love your look already. Well, you I, I, they've had some rocky moments in the past few months. Well, they have launched their own cryptocurrency. Oh, yes. There is a Megadeth. Death coin? It is called Mega. Oh. Uh, it is the they official didn't. cryptocurrency of Megadeth and their community. And here's from the for here's from the website. By buying, holding, and transacting with Mega, fans will gain access to exclusives and premium benefits. Cyber Army members, I'm guessing Cyber Army is the name of their like fan club or something, that also hold Mega will unlock additional exclusive exclusives, access, and offers. Uh, you, I guess you get some for free if you become like a premium or digital Cyber Army. I don't know. They've got all these tiers of membership. <laughs> Megadeth has their own fucking Bitcoin bullshit, dog. Dude, you know what the the worst part about this is? They didn't capitalize on the opportunity to use Deathcoin. 
Yeah, they. Yeah. I know that sounds a little harsh. Like it sounds a little like it might scare people away. I, you it's know, also kind of like very metal. Unless yeah, I was gonna say unless maybe what's his face Brandon. Uh, oh, Brandon Smalls. Brandon Small from yeah. from the fame of that shit already has that on lockdown. Yeah, because there is a there is a Death Clock movie coming supposedly. Oh, that'll be cool. So maybe there's gonna be um, Death well, Coin in that. While movie. I reach into my Coinbase uh, app right now I know, to yeah. find out how much it actually exactly. Costs. It's probably like point zero 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 one. Yeah. Uh, but dude, here's my favorite part about this whole thing. Oh boy, there's more. There, well, in my mind, okay, in my disgusting sure, mind. Sure, sure. So you know how like a hashtag, there's a little hash before it, or like uh, there are different ways to sort of symbolize yeah. things. Or like there's the a, there's sign. a dollar sign before the mega, so it looks like smega, <laughs> which in my mind made me only think of one thing, Dave, and that is smegma. Yeah. Are you familiar with what smegma is? I am. Is? I don't know if we want to get into it on a gear podcast, but uh, we can talk about it. Well, I'll just say that it's. Uh, if you know what it is, don't Google and it. And you look at and you see Smega. I hope you laugh as hard as I did because I can't. I wonder that if David Stain knows what Smegma is. That's like one of those things when like somebody you don't really care for comes up with an idea and they don't realize like how ridiculous it looks in big letters. Like that's that. right. Yeah, I love it. So uh, yeah, go buy some Smegma if you don't know what that is. <laughs> finally, no, to, I guess maybe yeah. This is finally for the symphony here, okay. Dave. I did a little bit of research, and that's because we were talking it last week. We were like, or maybe it was two weeks ago. We we're like, we we're like, hey. How many? How many? How many bands made movies? Maybe those. Oh yeah. I don't know. I don't have the comprehensive answer to that, but I did find an article that listed ten bands that have acted in movies. And Can I want to run through yeah, that list. Yeah, please. Dude. All right. I'll so love here this. we go. Some of these, or actually, I would say most of these, I didn't know. Okay. Like you I'm didn't starting, know the band, or you didn't know the movie, or the movie. Both. Okay. So the bottom uh, number ten, Pet Shop Boys. It couldn't happen here. They basically. It seems like they made their own movie mm. uh, at some point when they were big enough to have done that in the eighties. I don't really know enough or care enough about Pet Shop Boys to have ever heard about that, but I guess they were like. So, it was sort of like them just being themselves in this long feature length film. Anyways, number nine, Blink One Eighty Two, American Pie. They play themselves. They did. In American Pie. In the with the monkey. The, yeah, the webcam scene. They're watching the webcam right. scene. Here we go. Number eight, the offspring were in the band Idle Hand or in the movie Idle Hands. That's they were the party band. They were the party band. Yeah. I don't remember the movie at all. I'd have to rewatch it, but it was it was popular when I was in like junior high, I'm pretty sure. Okay. This one pretty obvious. Tenacious D, Pick of Destiny. Pretty yeah, sure we said that's that one. The movie, yeah. Another one that came up already, Prince, Purple Rain. Mm-hmm. I mean that's I think that's probably like the first I'm one. I'm surprised that's not like number two or something. Yeah, here we go, making my way back up that list. And I don't know if this, what, how this was actually ranked. Maybe just like ridiculousness or something like that. Uh, we didn't. I don't think we came up with this one, but we should have. Uh, Ramones, Rock and Roll High School. Oh yeah, that was was that that was like their movie too. That right? was their movie. Yeah, I don't uh, think I've ever seen that, dude. Here, this one, this is the first one that I was like, what the fuck is this? Number four, Kiss meets the Phantom of the Park. So that's the Kiss movie. Have you seen this? Uh, I was really high in college. It, it was a 1978. It turns out yep. TV movie. Mm-hmm. It's awful, dude. This the story sees Kiss, who all have superpowers mm-hmm. like eyes that shoot lasers and, and the ability to breathe fire, battle an evil inventor who thinks that their upcoming show at a theme park is going to overshadow the robots he's built for the event. That's great. It inevitably ends up with Kiss fighting robot versions of themselves. Yeah, I fucking need to see. I this have like movies. So I have bad. snapshots visually of what this looks like in my head when they do their powers. It's like that really cheesy '70s thing where you can see the cartoon like come out of their fingers. Oh, and, like the, it's really cheesy special Man, effects. I can't wait to see this. Yeah. I gotta find it. Yeah, uh, that's number four. Number number. Would that count as a Dave's doc if I wanted to go ahead and watch? I that? fucking hope so. <laughs> okay, dude, because I if just, you do, and that means you yeah. found it, then you that means I can watch it too. I appreciate the free reign. Oh my god. I, I insist, frankly. Yeah. Number three, we don't even need to talk about this one. A Hard Day's Night, The Beatles. Yep. That's that's like a pretty obvious one. Here's one that I didn't really think about, which, which is interesting. On the same Beatles token, number two, Aerosmith in Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Heart Club Band. I've never seen that movie. It's very bad. I heard, isn't um, Frampton very in it? Very bad. Frampton's in it. Yep. Uh, so the Aerosmith plays... A band called Future Villain Band, okay. which is a I want to be in a band called that. The, I guess the story is that Steven Tyler and Joe Perry were so smacked out during this that they literally don't remember filming their scenes to Sounds be about right. in Sgt. Pepper's yeah. Club Club Bandit. That was in, I think, 1978. I didn't write that down. The peak of their uh, smack years. Maybe, was it 70, 76? I can't it remember. It was definitely, yeah, late 70s, mid 70s. Here's one that I really need to see, even though it turns out the band actually kind of... Um, wound up not really loving it 
Rude Boy starring The Clash. Ooh. Joe Strummer and co. starred as themselves in this tale of a guy who quits his job to become a roadie for The Clash. What? When the band saw a rough cut, they were dismayed at the depiction of all the black characters as criminals, so they withdrew their support for the film. The movie includes footage of The Clash performing at the Rock Against Racism show in 1978. So he's not the main character. He's not the... um they play themselves as the band. As the band, but there's and then there's a lead character else. who's okay. That's interesting about being a roadie for the Clash. Hmm. Okay, I really want to watch that. Yeah, I do too. Rude boy. Uh, I want to watch anything that has to do with the Clash. Also, I will say I just thought of two more. Ooh, and you may or may not know these ones. Yeah, in Rockstar with Mark Wahlberg. Yes. Well, I don't know if well, it's Zach all- Wilds. Oh no, I'm thinking of. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a guitar. Zach Wilds a guitar player in Rockstar. Oh yeah, he's one of the on the in the actual band in the that real band he joins yeah, right. Um, but the cover band that they were in when mm-hmm. they kick him out in the beginning, that's Stephen Jenkins oh, from uh, Third Eye Blind and yeah. maybe a couple members. I'm not really sure. And then the other one that comes to mind is an 80s movie called Thrashin, which oh, is a BMX. Yes, dude. Or no, that's, it's a skateboard that, movie. It's a skateboarding movie that's on Amazon right and now. And Red Hot Chili Peppers are the house party band. R-H-C-P. And Flea is seen wearing a gas mask while he's playing a uh, early 50s telly P-Bass. Dude, you've got a fucking encyclopedic autodidactic memory for that stick kind of sometimes. Uh, I can also add that uh, I think we might have talked about this recently in one of the Harry Potter movies there's uh, a band at the dance maybe Goblet of Fire and uh, it's got members of Radiohead and Jarvis Cocker from Pulp oh, and shit. they like actually made music and shit. Oh wow. Yeah there's some songs. That's pretty cool. Speaking of reviews. Yeah. Did you watch Alanis? I did. <laughs> I'm so excited. I fucking watched this movie like three weeks ago, maybe two yep. or three, whenever it came out, and I've got I've got my notes yeah. here. And I, I took some notes, but I didn't want to you know, I've been trying to like take notes, but I also don't want to just read notes the whole time. Yeah. Um, but it's also very hard to find things if I don't keep like This is why with, we do outlines, because that's like that gives you a little I know. Thought stimulators. I'm, I'm very like I was always very very bad at like taking notes in class. I would write down like the entire paragraph and then like study that. Yeah. Instead of like, oh, just well, this Dave, means this. Let's 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 get into let's it. Let's talk about Jagged. You saw Jagged. Yeah. Alanis. Yeah. Tell us about it. Yeah. Um, it was interesting, man. I had no idea. First of all, you talk about somebody who's just destined for greatness. Yeah. There's it's not surprising that she got as massive as she did. I, in my opinion, from watching that, completely agree. Um, she was a child star. She I had was, no idea about any of that. I mean, I knew she I was either. on. I knew she was on that show. You can't do that on television. I didn't. I think I heard that as like a rumor when she kind of came out. I knew it only because there were only two shows. Yeah, my parents ever told me that I wasn't allowed to watch when I was a kid, and for some reason that was one of them. My and dad I, who said that they were disrespectful to parents. Yeah, like, okay. they were. They were like, "Don't do what your parents say," or you know, "We'll dump slime on you if exactly. you like agree with your parents." Um, but I think she said she like tried out. She she got on like an episode. So I don't know if she was on like a full. She was in a cast season of the show, she? yeah. Okay, Alanis was on. So she, uh, well, I didn't know this. She was writing her own songs at twelve years old, dude. She was good early, like literally written and produced by Alanis Morissette, singing great songs, amazing early. vocals, uh, amazing, amazing melody ideas. Even the songs like from that era, obviously, it was a little more like you know poppy. That was kind of just what was out then. You know, the Paul Abdul kind of like mm-hmm. approach to things, um, without the dancing, and then. You know, I think that was they just did what try was, to make her dance a little yeah. bit at one point, which is yeah, you know, so that doesn't surprise me that you know, so she kind of blows up at this as this pop star, and then I thought what was interesting was she had that producer that was like pushing her very hard. He's mm-hmm. like, you have to do fifty takes, all right, of yeah. this. You know, we're not getting, it, we're not leaving till we get it right, right. And then I think that's where she kind of that adverse reaction to that is where she kind of came up with her own sound and and when she did finally record for herself Mm -hmm. after she left that world she was like i'm doing like one or two takes and then i'm i'm never singing this part again on the record that's that's it um and i think that that happens a lot to people man you can burn out in one place but then you still have this like burning desire to like go into a studio and do it your way Mm -hmm. and that's what she got to do well that taught her i think what her way what her way is and yeah dude i had no i mean she was a big star in canada yeah Long before, you know, supposedly her breakout, which it was a breakout, yeah. obviously, when we talk about Jagged really Little was. Pill, but like she already had a lot of TV experience, a lot of writing experience. Like she, she, to your point, she had already kind of honed this image that we then got to see later on because she, she kind of was a little bit more in that like bubble gummy, like eighties, early nineties yeah. thing. And and there were moments like to, we were saying like the, like they were trying to kind of make her this dancey pop star. They didn't like, they were trying to form her image. Well, she and, was on MCA. 
Right, exactly. And so they were like a major label at the time. And they're like, you know, you have to do what is going to be popular. They didn't think outside the box at all, especially in that era. Mm -hmm. I mean, look at, you know, a lot of the stars that came out from that era. Some people work well that way. And I think she definitely wasn't one of those people. So she had no, she, she had a unique voice and that like, and not yeah. even just not literal singing voice, but like her writing voice and yep. her perception. And they of wouldn't the world. let her exercise that. But then she did. And yeah. then she hooked up with a freaking amazing producer named Glenn Ballard. Yeah, dude. That guy is awesome. I love listening to him talk about those sessions and all that shit. He was definitely my favorite interview on that whole yeah. on that whole thing for sure. Uh, super down to earth. He seemed like he'd be a great guy to write with. I got. I was under the impression I, they didn't really talk much about her playing music. I was under the impression he would play and she would come up with melodies and vocals and lyrics and all this stuff. It seemed like it was pretty collaborative. And they were a pretty they good really, like duo. For yeah, they didn't get it like super deep into like how. I think she would bring ideas in, but yeah. it did. It did seem like it was the song a song writing companionship yeah, between I, the two of them. I did a little extra research because I was re I was really interested and I'll, yeah. I'll go back to this in my kind of overview about the documentary um, but I had to do a little extra research about that songwriting process mm -hmm. and kind of find out more and it sounds like they would sit down and some songs came together in an hour and some songs took 12 hours or two days yeah, right. but it was really just the two of them for those first demos. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's awesome. Which I thought was so fucking cool. I do. So there's a scene where it's kind of towards the beginning it, where it's modern Alanis because mm -hmm. she's in she's in the doc which I will add is great I'm so happy when these people are yeah. in these things I, I've got some more information about that too that I found out okay and that was one she did one day where yeah. she sat down with them for okay the it, it was like one it day, looked like long it. Day yeah it looked just like one yeah, yeah. Um, cause there were no scene changes or nope, same outfit. Yeah. yeah. So she, there's a scene where she walks into like this storage facility and yes. she's got all the old demo tapes and she pulls out her old Tascam recorder uh -huh. or whatever. Or no, it was a, uh, I wrote it down. It was a, um, what do you call it? Well, it wasn't a Porta studio. It was something else. A Fostex. Fostex. Fostex so four track. Yep. Um, I thought that was so cool. And then of course I see this stack of guitar cases and I'm like, Oh, I wish they would have opened up a few oh, of those was in there. Cause there were like definitely some acoustic cases, but to the left of that, there were some like old tweed fender cases and mm -hmm. stuff. And I was like, Oh, I bet I there's some cool know. shit in there. Um, plus, you know, it, that was the era when you could still get, get that shit really cheap. So from the gear nerd side of me, I was like, damn it. I know. Let's, let's go there hang out in that storage room more. Um, so that was fucking cool. Um, you, uh, you ought to know got picked up by a radio station. They shopped it around. Dude, okay. You ought to know two things about that song. First of all, first song I ever heard from her. Oh yeah, for sure. I, I'll, I don't think, I uh, know we haven't gotten to this yet. My sister, who's a year younger than I am, had this record like yeah. on CD, and yeah. I definitely stole it from her because yeah. it was like I was young enough where I was like, I don't know about a Lance, but like I super loved it and just wanted to listen to it anyways. Yeah. That song learned two things about it. One, I definitely always thought that it was about Dave Coulier yeah. because that was the rumor, and she definitely says she's like I was dating a lot of people. Yeah, at she's that time. like there's probably like ten different people people think that it Two, is. I never noticed. How fucking wild the baseline is in that song, yeah, dude. There it is. It, there is some crazy shit. Ha like that is a tough, cool baseline. You mean happening. flea? It, flea. It's flea. It's flea. Yeah, yeah. That's why. So I have a quote from that. Um, so and this is also a little my my extra research that I did because I've heard rumors that flea was on it, but I didn't really know who else. I thought John Frusciante, but it was actually Dave Navarro played guitar on it. So Dave right. Navarro Dave on Navarro, guitar and flea uh -huh. on bass. Um, I'll just read this little excerpt. In early 1995, LA producer Jimmy Boyle recruited guitarist Dave Navarro and bassist Flea of the Red Hot Chili Peppers, because Dave mm -hmm. was in the band at the time, to play on just that track. According to Navarro, there were no guide tracks. We just had the vocals to work from. We jammed until we found something that we were happy with and mm -hmm. came up with. Now, there's another quote from Flea. This is interesting, because he said there, Dave said there were no tracks. Flea said, when I first heard the track, I heard a different bassist and guitarist on it. I listened to the bass line and thought, that's some weak shit. It was no flash and no smash, but the vocal was so strong, I had to play something good. So I was like, well, were you guys at the same session? Because like, yeah, I thought there was no music in it. Drugs are a hell of a drug. Yeah, man. so I'm like, Flea, was that you from like the day before? And then you're like, I gotta like, I fucked this, this up. Um, but anyways, the bass, dude, even though there's, there's little fills and stuff in between the, yep. like, the verses, just fucking incredible playing on it. And from what I understand, there's no real drums on that record either, is there? Is it all programmed drums? I, I looked up uh, the list of like you know people who were on it, and there's a ton of different musicians on the album, and no, nobody listed under drums. Wow, that yeah. seems unbelievable to me. It does because especially how good the hi hats sound and that on the verses. Well, and, stuff. and then especially considering who, who wound up joining the band to play that live on that tour. I don't think I Taylor knew. Hawkins. I don't think I knew that. Oh, I definitely knew that. Oh, that's so yeah. cool. Yeah, I, I always thought of him as just coming out of nowhere. I think they mentioned it maybe on Sound City. That he was playing with with uh, Alanis. I think Alanis they did. Yeah, that's he how they Foo met. Fighters, but 
so that's the documentary it's like they they it starts sort of like it doesn't spend that much time in our early days and then it gets into the recording and writing of this yeah. record and then really the majority of the, them like of the, the doc is stuff. the tour supporting that, that for record. 18 months right after that <laughs> insane dude they toured with radiohead <laughs> neil young uh radiohead opened for them by the way Let's oh, be really? clear on that. Yeah. I didn't realize that. Yes. Okay. I yeah. thought they opened for Radiohead. And they said Radiohead would have two hour sound checks and they were essentially writing OK. They were writing computer. OK Computer. That's right. So funny. Cool. Okay. Wow. I missed that part yeah. of it. Yeah. Because they would watch their sound checks and just. That's nuts. Yeah. I didn't know that. Well, they definitely opened for Neil Young and got to they, hang out that's with him. That's true. Yeah. Which, which is, is insane to me. Like two of my all time, all time yeah. favorite artists they, they tour with. They And then there's a story about Slash saying, like, because really the. The one of the main storylines about this tour is that not only did they blow up, but like they were debaucherous as fuck. Like her band that wasn't her, they were just like yeah, the dudes party in their the bros. fucking dicks off. Yeah, and I mean it. You think I mean there were twenty five year old guys at the time, twenty six yep. year old guys, and they got thrown into this whirlwind of the biggest pop here's star. Here's everything in the world. you want. All you have to do is like show up for shows and back up this pop star. Uh, by the way, you're playing like twelve songs that you already have memorized. Mm-hmm. So you really, you can, I don't want to say phone it in. They played amazing performances, but you get to a level, I think when you tour that much where you don't even have to think about what you're doing. Oh, so you can finish a show and just, it's all about the party. And I mean, we already says Taylor on drums. It was Chris Chaney on bass who was basically unknown at this time. Yeah. Like he was like a total jazz cat. And yep. then, you know, he's gone on to do like Jane's addiction, Jane's addiction, a bunch <laughs> of, bunch of stuff. I think he might've even done nine inch nails at one yeah. point. Like he's done a bunch of cool. It stuff. It is funny too. When you think about Jane's addiction, Dave Navarro flea, like they're kind of all, they were all like oh, in yeah, this right. like little LA circle That's of, right. of like same people. And I wonder if that was the label or, or what that was. But, um, I've got to say the way that, the way that it came off with these guys having like the hookup room and they, you know, these yeah. sort of young women that like just wanted to meet a pop star, that part felt really fucking icky and horrible and hard to watch. That yeah. was tough. Like, yeah, I get like you're this rock star and you're on the road and it's all supposedly consensual, but the way that they talk about it, it felt pretty fucking predatory. And like even showing some of the videos of them kind of like being like, oh, yeah, we'll bring you backstage or whatever. Yeah. I think even the even the guys themselves admit it, it was they just did. like yeah, kinda, Taylor kind of gross. Taylor is doing you know he's he's being interviewed in it and he's like, I'm not happy to admit this, yeah. but like, yeah, we were in it for the girls. Like that's look, I mean, I you know I, I don't think it's right, but I also don't want to pretend that like guys don't get into bands for girls. And if you right. happen to get that successful, most most guys are going to take advantage of that situation. I think, I I think I'm not saying it's right, but no, it, it happens. That did, it, and I and I have to think that's probably less so these days. Although you'd yeah. imagine it still happens to oh, sure. a, a certain extent, but that yeah, that was that was a, that was a pretty tough part to watch. But I gotta say, I mean, just like in general, I already had a lot of respect for Alanis, but yeah. I fucking love her a lot more now than I, I did even before. Yeah, I was actually, yeah, I loved. I know how great that album is. You know what happened to me, man? Um, I. I was big in MTV in that era. Like mm-hmm. I was, you know, I was 12, 13 when that totally. stuff came out. And so I'm thinking to myself, you know, this is all, this is all that's on. So it, MTV like destroyed Alanis for me. Like her songs mm. didn't become songs anymore. They just became like, turn this off. I'm so tired Part of hearing of this pop song. Culture. Yeah. It was just, it was, I was just, they overplayed the fucking they songs. Did. And actually that's to a testament to how good that record was. I mean, every single song on that there record. There are hits band. after hit. And I guess I, I, you know, when I went into watching this movie, I was like, oh, I think she had like two records that were famous at the time. No, those were all from like ironic yeah. and one hand in my pockets. Been stuck in my head since last night when I watched the doc. <laughs> um, you know, it's, I, you forget how good those are and obviously now I can appreciate those more because I haven't heard those songs mm-hmm. in like that's right we years, have you know? we have some perspective but they were just from this like just random songs written by this young woman they but to me they've become they were just like the fabric of our upbringing like it was just yeah. so much part of culture that it's like I never even had that proper sort of space but now that watching the documentary it's like oh yeah these were these were just songs made by real people that existed yeah. at the time they yeah. weren't you know, they weren't just like created by the government to like soundtrack our lives and then which we i'm sure there are many of those bands and and groups and records exactly do that stuff um so yeah i i I fucking liked it uh i thought it was really good um my criticism of it yeah all right i was trying to think of like a really nice way to word this i don't feel like it was very much of like her documentary oh i feel like i feel like hbo put a little bit of a spin on it to and and by all means, I I appreciate what women in the music industry do. I understand it's a male run thing. I feel like HBO put this extra spin on it where they were like, "Well, she was just this woman like trying to do this thing, and nobody wanted to let her do this thing." And I'm like, for, for me, what I got from it is she was like this woman of power 
it wouldn't matter if she was a man or a woman, she was going to be successful no matter what. Hmm. And I felt like it was very, I felt like they just really kept pushing our faces of like, you know, she's this poor woman, that, you know, and she, she had to work so hard because she was a woman. And I was like, I, I appreciate how hard it is for women in the music industry. But I also think that they put a little bit too much of that spin. And these weren't words coming out of her mouth. I guess that's what bothered me about it. She didn't really talk about that very much in the whole movie. Well, it they, was these other people they had on it. Like, um, you know, you had like Kevin Smith and he's like, well, yeah, she had these boys in the band who wanted to take over the band and all this stuff. And I was like, what are you talking about? I was like, he's like, it must have been really hard for a woman to be my name, my names on the band and then have these guys, it must, you know, it must've been hard. These guys were pressuring her to like leave the band and all this stuff. And I was like, are you just like making this up? Hmm. Cause I mean, one that happens in a lot of bands, whether it's a man or woman as a front man, if you're in Dave Matthews band, you might not like being in the band that the guy's name is on the front of the thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I just felt like if any of this had come out of her mouth, I would have been like, oh, that's, you know, that's an there, interesting There were tip. parts about that specifically that did come out of her mouth where she was like, like to your point about the like, well, it's like, it's called Alanis Morissette and like you signed a contract yeah. to join the band right. to, to play that record with my name on it. Like, that's, I agree. That's what and it I, is. I think that's fucking badass. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. Like she mm. was, a, she was a powerful chick, man. A powerful well, person. Well, Dave, I, I think whether or not I agree with your points and I think there's some I do and don't, but I think it's interesting to point out that there's someone else that doesn't necessarily agree with how this film turned out and that is Alanis Morissette oh <clears throat> because after the film after she saw the film for the first time she actually uh declined to even attend the premiere or do any press for the film whatsoever well, so I wasn't that far off though. well I don't think it was for the reasons necessarily that you're saying so basically I, I read an interview with her in the Washington Post uh that came out a couple weeks ago and she said that uh this is a quote I sit here now experiencing the full impact of having trusted someone who do not who did not warrant being trusted. Hmm. This is not the story I agreed to tell. I was lulled into a false sense of security and their salacious agenda became apparent immediately upon my seeing the first cut of the film. This is when I knew our visions visions were in fact painfully diverged. I so as the interview goes on a little bit more, I think it was specifically about her talking about her the uh, the, sexual, the sexual assault stuff that she had in her past as, yeah. as a young person. Because well, I remember the scene where she's like, I don't even want to talk about this. Right. And they exactly. left that part. And in. they left all that in. So I think that was that was really the main thing for her. Was Interesting. That she, yeah. she didn't. And it still doesn't really feel comfortable talking about it. It's yeah. a lifelong you know, healing process that probably I guess you don't really ever heal. Yeah. She said, yeah, this is it's. She didn't. She didn't outright say like no one should see this movie. It's like full of lies or something. But right. you know, I read her quote. She's in it, so it's like you see what she said. But then it also tell gives it gives credence to the idea of how powerful an edit can be too, and that even yep. your own words with your name on the documentary about wow. your life and your movie that you're in can still be sort of twisted into a way that you don't feel is actually anything resembling truth. Uh, I. I agree with that. Yeah. You know? And I didn't mean to come off like chauvinistic. At no, all. I don't think I, you my did. opinion of it was it felt skewed to me. It, it didn't yeah. feel like her telling the story. Um, and I felt like they kind of ran with that a little bit. Um, You're right. So, it was, And yeah. I think the point of a, I don't know, I guess it's, it's debatable. I, historically, the point of being a quote unquote documentarian was to present the truth as it happened and, and not in any way put your own influence on that story yeah. and it and i guess yeah that's that's it sounds like you're you were picking up on the same stuff that she was which is that she didn't the, feel genuine people creating it um who is a woman incidentally so it's it's it is kind of interesting that you know she took umbrage with the way another woman presented her sexual assault you mm-hmm. think that someone would be um if anyone could be more sensitive to that sort of thing it would be another woman um but yeah even alanis herself man didn't, okay didn't didn't enjoy it all right well um that being said uh, I, I I gave it a, a pretty good review. Yeah. I think I gave it a seven and a half. Seven was my, and a half was my arbitrary rating. Seven and a half black flies on a white Chardonnay. Oh, my God. Um, oh, wow. That I is a good know. one. I'm I always like just it. reaching on those things. But uh, my idea was I wanted to hear more about like her songwriting process. I really yeah. would have wanted to just watch the interview with her. Like the whole I think time. so. I think so too. It really did focus a lot, like we said, mostly on just like those eighteen months following the yeah. record itself. I liked some of that, but yeah, I, I definitely wanted more in the studio time mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And I love like a good tour thing where it's like, man, there these crowds of like twenty thousand people and stuff because they started off. I mean, they were in a van and they went from LA to New York, and by the time they got to New York, it was like this insane like pandemonium. So I mean, they, that was it was almost like Beatles level of people yeah, screaming and yelling at them, and, 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 and shit. rightfully so, man. She could command us. 
excuse me she could uh, really command a stage just wearing like a just like a t-shirt yeah. and like baggy pants she wasn't wearing yeah. crazy outfits or anything no like it that. didn't they were seem just, like getting up there rocking and there wasn't the like crazy light show or no. like this big stage thing or anything so um it was a fucking awesome story it's definitely worth watching i would like to see it told in a different way but other than that i really uh i'm, I'm a bigger fan of alanis now for same sure. here buddy yeah great oh yeah Good days, Doc. I'm glad we got to that yeah, one. Yeah, I love when we watch them together. That's fun. Let's get into the future gear here. We've got a couple things. And I'm excited about the way we're going to close this out, but we got a couple things to get to first. First of all, I want to ask you, how does that new pedal go in the in the practice space with all the different things going yeah, on? Yeah, and I'm Tell glad I didn't it. text you about it because I guess we can talk about it We can it talk now. about it right now. Um, all right, Remind so, people what is yeah, it. Yeah, so we got? talked about the, um, the Meridian brand uh, Synthev. Sintev. Uh, it's a very weird, rare pedal made in Italy. We talked about it last yes. week. If you want a pretty in-depth, uh, or we talked, what, two weeks ago now, I guess. Something like that. Yeah, two episodes ago we talked about it. If you want a more in-depth thing, look for the cover. This is the follow-up. This is a follow-up. Brought it to, I finally got to play uh, real loud with it. Yes. With my band, uh, full songs, and, you know, using the intended song I wanted to use it for mm. and all that stuff. Um, my overall impressions, I think I'm going to keep it. Okay. But it doesn't do it doesn't get wacky enough, mm-hmm. which I didn't want a wacky pedal when I got it. So I guess I'm kind of like digging my own grave with this because I bought it mm. with an idea of what it, I wanted to do in my head. And it does that, but it doesn't go any further than that. There's no 11. Does that make sense? Oh, it, make, it, it makes sense. I yeah. mean, when you think of a synth octave, you, I almost my worry is that you it's going to be hard to tame. Like the like the electroharmonics based micro. Exactly. Um because that thing is way too wacky. I mean, sure. that thing, if you hit the slider in, with your toe, the whole thing goes out of whack and you've lost your toe. Hey, Mike Matthews, you know, for your 81st birthday, put out put out a micro synth that has like, knobs instead yeah, of sliders. Yeah, with like five knobs on it. It'd yeah. be so awesome. Um, anyways, I love the pedal. I'm going to keep it. Oh, well, here's some cool things I found out. Yes. So I put it in place of the micro synth. So I still have it on a separate channel. You know, I have the two switch mm-hmm. switcher. So the left side is still just my overdrive, uh, my tuner pedal, and um, my delay, which I never use. Mm-hmm. And then the right side is now this this synth. And I think that I think what I what I really liked when I really wanted to get crazy with it, I was experimenting. I mixed it with the fuzz god, which is also on the left side. Mm-hmm. So if I can put those both on, it does some insane shit. Hells yeah! So it's almost like that extra fuzz channel running through that. I don't know. Does so tell me, I know you got your your mark bass amp back. Were you running this into a solid state or in, or into a tube amp? Yeah. So I was running this. I. You know, it's funny, my ears have been tuned to the V4 since I've been using that, yeah. but I also got my Mark Bass b- back, and I hate mixing like too many variables at once, and I being know, like, here's right? my tone now, um, but the Mark Bass sounded great. I had to try it out, because yeah. you know, I just got it, and I told the guy, like, I would try it. Exactly. If, I, if he had any issues, I could bring it back. Shout out to the Shake Shop over on Fullerton. What up, Shake they Shop? Do great, they do great work. They do fast work. Um, so, yeah, the, the R500 is working great. He cleaned out the dust bunnies, replaced a uh, preamp tube for me, and it's buttoned up and ready to go. And so I ran the synth through that. And at first I was just a little underwhelmed. I kind of had everything up and I was like, oh, that's the craziest it gets. Mm -hmm. And again, it's kind of like when I was playing with guitar, I found more options when I started dialing things in a little more. So sometimes always up isn't always the craziest shit. Oh, I agree. And I guess I didn't realize that, you know? So maybe I dialed in a little bit of the octave, most of the synth, and then like half the fuzz or something. And then I was was getting some cool stuff. Yeah, so there was a couple things. I still think that switch like doesn't do anything. So maybe one day it when did, I get bored, it did more on guitar. Yeah, I think maybe one day when I get bored, we can open her up. Yeah, maybe we can put like a weird synth circuit in there. We could throw something. something on the other. Could half. we do something? We wacky? could definitely do something. Wacky. Um, so I don't know, but at this point, I think I'm going to keep it's it for now. Um, I'm not like in a hurry to sell it. It's definitely it'll be great to use live. I will say there's there's times where I used it where I like had it on and like I just didn't get to it fast enough to turn it off, and then I was like, oh, this still sounds kind of cool mm-hmm. as like a usable bass tone. So I would say like. Okay. Overall, it sounds like a useful pedal. It's just it's it just doesn't do the over the top stuff that maybe you'd hope that it could get to. Or that like I was used to with the electric harmonics. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So overall, I'll keep it. And uh, you know, if, if any of you guys ever see me playing out, I'll definitely have it. Last so. question. Yeah. Do I mean I think really the main thing you're hoping to learn is you know the difference between using it in more of like a quiet controlled environment yes. versus like a super loud wild environment. It does it still hold up? Do you still get like? beefy bottom end and all the stuff that like do you you know do you yeah. didn't disappear or any of that kind of stuff no, that yeah so sometimes. uh there's like no volume loss which is really awesome. nice you can definitely i guess you know it's hard to say because your ears when you click on something you know and then you go back to like your dry signal sometimes it's just more rounder and more yeah. pillowy kind of 
Um, but it doesn't take away anything. It doesn't like tone suck or anything like that. I will say it's, I had the same feeling though. And I guess that was my initial point of like, I don't want to say disappointment, but like a little bit of surprise was I was like, Oh, this, this sounds similar that it did in my bedroom as it did in here. Okay. Fully cranked. Um, that being said, it, you know, the guys liked it. It kept up with some songs. So and the like band, I said, the band dug it. Yeah. The band dug it. Um, especially for the, like the, the song that I'm using it for. And I think if I mix in that fuzz, we can get, we can get pretty fucking crazy on it. So Love it, man. shout out to the fuzz God too. I mean, that thing's not going shout out to our buddy Ben from yeah. Red Witch Petals. That's right. One of our former guests. Love that. So, man. so if any, if all else fails, Fuzz got two mixed in the signal. Um, and I, and well, I think that's true with any pedal, Dave. Honestly. It really is. You throw a little fuzz got two on. It's like, okay, this is dope now. It really is. But I, it was one of those things where I started practice playing it. Um, and by the end of practice, I was like, okay, this is cool. Like I used it more through other songs that I wouldn't usually yeah. use it. And it's just a usable, great, you know, good. Pedal. I think that's a great review, honestly. Like yeah. something that like that that you can use it more than you thought you were going to. Maybe it's a little a little subtle, but like if you can use it often and it does something cool, then fucking. And it. I feel like not a lot of pedals get that kind of you know attention like most are no. like whoa it does this crazy shit and like you know you've got like your regular guitar but then you've got like all this crazy stuff and then this is this is more of a subtle synth bass pedal almost like say. it's interesting too because i don't think of a synth octave right. pedal as being an always on kind no. of pedal and you it sounds almost like you could like with a compressor you, where you can kind of just leave it on all the time or an eq or something yeah. like it, it almost sounds like one of those pedals you can kind of just leave it on all the time and i and to be fair um i will say this finally I always run the other, uh, the next pedal in line on that side of the chain is my volume equalizer, mm-hmm. my Boss equalizer right. pedal, which I always use with the micro synth because that just wasn't loud enough. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to turn that on at all, but I think next time I go in to jam with the guys, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of dial in some some uh, EQ on, through. Dude, that yeah, pedal. you could pull like all the top end off, just make it like a real low end. Yeah, boost or, or something. like maybe go full top end and see like how like crazy it like sounds radio with the bass really sound. synthy kind Dude, of thing. Yeah, fuck yeah. So I'm definitely gonna that play op- with so that. it opens up more options from pedals that you're using already that you no longer have to use. It does. It that's does. Cool. And I think that's it's a good compliment to that's my dope. board for sure. So love it, yeah, man. Thanks, thanks for, for sharing asking. that. Yeah, fuck of course. Uh, we're gonna do one little. This isn't a review because we haven't played it, but I I read a review of a new guitar that I found very interesting. And I should say it's a new line of guitars because uh, Sire has released the Larry Carlton signature line of guitars. There's a 335 style semi hollow body. There's a Strat style, which are the, so in the review that I read via guitar.com, it reviewed those two guitars. It turns out that, that there are also now Larry Carlton, Les Paul and telecaster style guitars that sire makes so this whole line much like the marcus miller bases that are very popular that's where i was thinking he yeah they make them so that i looked i mean at least as far as what sweetwater carries they only have larry carlton guitars and marcus miller bases and they have like four pages of them there are many different options yeah i'm not going to be able to get into all that and they're they're like they're relatively inexpensive right that's the thing about these guitars is that they're made in indonesia so they're like you know, at the they do get sort of expensive for that sort of thing, but that's only for like you know the flame top six string bass that yeah. those get up to like almost twelve hundred bucks. Sure. But they start in like five six, I think. So the guitars that we're talking about are in the like uh, six fifty ish range cool. to seven twenty. They're so it's. I made a little joke. Do we have to? It's the H seven is the name of the the model. So do we have to call him Mister H seven and Mister instead of Mister three thirty five now? Right, right. For those who don't know, I guess we jumped ahead. Larry Carlton. I mean, he's just one of the most respected session yeah. cats of all time. Steely Dan, Joni Mitchell, Michael Jackson, like tons crazy stuff. His own, you know, famous. And jazz he was a three thirty five guy. And he is known for playing three thirty five, almost exactly the same three thirty five as me. In fact, right. oh wow. Uh, so now they've they've made this replica of his. Although when I look at it, it seems to me like they they kind of took some modern features and then also maybe some like fifty eight ish specs. I don't really. This does not look like a seventies three thirty five, which is what Larry Carlton's known for playing to me. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, it still seems like a cool guitar. So it's all maple, semi semi hollow, mahogany neck, ebony fingerboard. Uh, it's got Sire's own humbuckers, a bunch of, you know, just like the standard four knobs, switch. Uh, it's got a 12-inch radius, which is pretty flat and modern. Um, the only thing that really doesn't look like the 335, which is, you know, for legal reasons, is the headstock, of course. Right. It's very subtle. It's still the three on a side. It's kind of like, it looks sort of like a Gibson headstock, except it's just got like a flat top, mm-hmm. sort of. Like and instead then there's like the slight instead of, of the book match the yeah. open book, it, it has a f- like a flat straight top and then two little angle flat spots. So it's almost mm. like the top of a stop sign or something like that up there, but in a subtle way. I really want to see one in person. 
I have not seen one in person, but I looked at a lot of pictures. Yeah. It seems like everyone who's reviewed them and every photo that I've seen all agree that they look good. The one review that I read, though, I think this was the guitar.com one, talked about how uh, it is an ebony fingerboard. However, to your point that you were, we were talking about previously, they think they may have dyed it because after the review, they had like a bunch of black all no over way. their fucking fingertips. So no like, way. they might have tried to darken the ebony on this particular guitar, which is not the best. You shouldn't look. have to do that on ebony. Well, that's a, you kind of, I mean, the thing with ebony is that we've talked about this before like with taylor guitars yeah we're seasoned we have been seasoned to think that ebony's black but most yeah. ebony trees have like big swirls of light right. brown and different colors and yeah. stuff in there so like they, they it's probably all ebony but then they have these swirls so then to make it like look, oh we're gonna make this look like it's all dark deep black i wonder if they use shoe polish i don't know but that's not <laughs> a good look uh, they also make the S7, which is a super strat style. Um, it's all this t- stuff that you would think like roasted maple, humbuckers, humbuckers yeah. yeah, that kind of thing. They've got a bunch of different options. Hmm. But I'm honestly, if in terms of if I was in the market for a semi hollow affordable guitar, especially like a backup, it's a, to my it's 30, a 335 one piece or body. Like, that, too. like it's not like a bolt on neck or anything. Like it's that, is it? it is a set. Yeah, set neck. Okay, sure. Uh, right, yes. Oh, God. I, no, I know. I we wouldn't even be wouldn't talking, be talking about, about it. Right. it no, fair enough. I, I should have assumed. Thank you. Uh, oh, by the way, it's not, it's not even just that. There's also Telly Les Paul and an acoustic. There's the A4 acoustic. Oh, so there's cool. just like a whole range of Larry Carlton Sire guitars that's very now cool. that you can get. And I kind of want to get my hands on one because all I can say is that people flipping loved those Marcus Miller basses when I worked at CME. We couldn't even get them. Really? Like, you know, we would get say like a dozen on an order. We, they wouldn't even make it out to the the store. Like yeah. they were all pre ordered, pre sold. People just like were constantly calling. People love those Marcus Miller sire bases. Interesting. Yeah, I I've only done like I've only played like the '90s Fender that when he was with Fender. Oh yeah, um, with like the, the, the '70s reissue. Yeah, which I actually the used giant to want, control I used to plate that, on uh, it. thing. I liked that. Nasty. I like that bass. They're heavy. They're heavy. Oh, little, yeah. little bastards. But. Um, I haven't played the bass, but I didn't. That's interesting that they couldn't even keep them in stock like that. I yeah, had no idea that they were that popular. They I see them on Reverb popular. pop up a lot. So yeah, I'm sure people are flipping them. You mm-hmm. know, and, I'm, and they seem like they could. Even, I think those might be some of the bases that like people buy and then sell for more money even than they were new. And they might be like because they're uh, all pretty affordable. Yeah, and they might be harder to find. You know, later. Exactly. Um, interesting. So. Real quick, going back to this 335 yeah. thing, I, I think you were about to say that if you were in the market for mm. a 335-ish guitar... Back up in that price range. I would look at that probably before I'd look at an Epiphone, I think. Really? Just because, I people, seriously, people... I haven't played it, so this is a, mm-hmm. a stab, but people... I t- so many players freaked out about those Marcus Millers that I yeah. that I'm like, oh, the maybe, qualities is good, especially because it's modeled after Mr. 335s himself, which right. again is mine. But I, I, from what I've read on the specs, it doesn't seem like it's going to have the skinny neck. Like I shouldn't say, I, like narrow fret or narrow fretboard, narrow nut width, mm-hmm. not skinny neck. It's right. got a normal size neck. It has a narrow fretboard, which mm-hmm. is my fucking thing. I like and that that's, too, yeah. I'm 99% sure the same that Larry plays himself. And it didn't seem to me like this was that. So that would be, I don't like, I don't like the big beefy wide, like wide nut. Yeah. And I've, I've played, um, I don't know, I guess you could say some Gibson copy style guitars, mm-hmm. overseas ones. And they always seem to have a really, really chunky, like, wide neck totally on. i had that hammer remember yeah. i don't know if you remember that guitar that was that so. was an interesting 335 clone because it was also it had a long scale it had the fender scale length on yeah. it so it was like almost a little stiffer to play yeah it was that was a good guitar and it was from the 90s so it was like when those import hammers were really good but yeah ultimately i mean there's nothing nothing compares to you. my 335 <laughs> because that guitar if i could find another one that's just like yeah. it i would buy it you know yeah. what i mean so yeah, well, There's speaking that. of three thirty fives, I saw um, God that you know what it is, man. The the Gibson demo store they get me a, they get me a lot. I get the email dude. every day, bud. I get the email, but I get I don't actually get the email. They pop up on my reverbs. Yeah, and they had a they had a three thirty five dot with the satin finish with the ivory bind like the cream binding. You love that cream binding. It just it's you love it a off. nice yellowed aged binding, but in like the satin black. And I was like, do I want to buy a new guitar? Yeah. And I was like, no. And but it, they were only asking like you know twenty you know two thousand or twenty one hundred something like Which that, which is like, a deal for one it of those. Seems like a deal. And yeah. you know they're the whole di- you know scratch and dent like ooh there's like a scratch by the first mm-hmm. the first fret or something, but that doesn't bother me. There's some weird ones that show up in that shop too where it's oh, like yeah. the, like weird black like faded black uh, hardware and yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah. Or they'll, yeah, it's like something oh, there was they that just... one with the black Bigsby on it that we were talking mm-hmm. about. I don't remember. Which, that was kind of cool. Was. Yeah. I've never seen a black Bigsby before. So I was kind of into that. I've never ho- owned one. That's for sure. Um, but yeah, that's, that's pretty cool, man. I, Sire, if you're out there, you know, sh- shoot us. I want to know more. We'll, I'll, yeah. We'll, we'll, do a review we'll play for some you. shit. Yeah, dude. All right, dude. Here we go. You got a surprise for me. I got a surprise for you. What's going on? We're going to do something we've never done before on this year's show, Dave. Oh, boy. And I am. I don't know how it's going to turn out, but I think it's going to be fun. <laughs> well, fuck it, man. I'm calling this Craigslist Challenge 2021. Okay. Here's what we're going to do. All right. You and me right now. I already like this. We've got a secret surprise gig tonight. Yeah. And you have access to none of your gear. Right. You've got $1,500 in your pocket. Yeah. And a gig tonight. What's the best rig you can put together from Craigslist right now? So we got to go online. You and I are going to go on our phones right okay. now. We've got, we'll give ourselves a, a set of timer. We'll do a little cut in the in the break here we'll do like we i mean we, we can we can we can, we can talk we can talk and we'll see yeah. how much i edit out okay sure i like and then this. by the end uh here are the rules uh you've got to go get it so it's got to be chicago craigslist that's why we can't use reverb yeah uh you're legally barred you you uh showed up naked to chicago music exchange recently yeah so you're not allowed to walk into any of your local shops so it has to be it's all craigslist, craigslist only you know, no CME rock and roll. We have a, Guitar we have Center, a, you're barred from life already. And you said it's $1,500? $1,500. Oh, okay. You've already got your, you still have your bag. You've got your cables, you got your picks, you got your strings, you've even got cases. So I really need a, an instrument and then like an amp of some sort. Look, this where's, is on you. What do you think? Where's the what gig? What do at? you need? The gig is at your local. A mid-sized rock and roll club okay. that's going to have you know you're going to be able to di or mic yeah whatever but you've still got to put you've you've still got to you're playing in your rock and roll band so you still got to so you still got to do it so we'll set the timer for now and then uh and then i'm gonna give us until we got until 12 20 whatever you think you need for the gig this is tonight. so funny we're gonna fucking do it. We, we only have Craigslist bucks. Yeah, the, we only have fifteen hundred dollars no, in play Craigslist along. bucks. No loopholes. Open new tabs in your phone so you can have them all open up right now. I oh, I did shit. not even. I look. have the app, so hold on. Let me let me get the actual. I do too, but I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it in the browser just to make it a little easier. Yeah, this is hilarious. And uh, so here it is. I didn't pr- I didn't cheat. I didn't uh, I didn't like you already pre- have pre- you already or anything. Have yours? I wish I did. Oh, I okay. should have. No, that would have been fun. We got to do it together. But so okay, so here we go. I'm going to I'm going to start trying to get my fucking rig together for the the gig Hold tonight. On, I'm almost in musical instruments. Okay, I'm in. I mean, we're kind of at time right now, bud. Okay. I'm ready. Are you ready? Yeah, fuck it. All right. Here we go. This is our high stress low cost Craigslist challenge 2021. What do you got, Dave? Here we go. The rules for everybody keeping track. We just yeah. had a few minutes. We had to. We got a gig tonight. Yeah. Don't have our gear. It got stolen, except for some reason we have our cables and shit. Yeah. But we needed to put together a rig for the gig tonight. Yeah. So essentially, I knew that I would need um, a bass. Yes. And I would need some sort of amp, whether it's a combo or head yeah. and speaker, you know, combination or and um, a tuner pedal and some sort of overdrive or fuzz pedal. Oh God, we went on the same path. What do you got, Dave? All right, great. Give me your bass. So bass, I found a great deal. Uh, really? This is fucking an awesome deal. So I found a Fender Player Jazz, a 2019 Sunburst with a white pickguard. Oh, now how much? $450. Oh, dude. Yeah. I great mean, deal. I honestly might go buy that right That's now. A- like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm coming your way, man. This guy's I in, want that. He's in Northwest Burbs. Honestly, I, I, I know for a fact because I owned one of these. Mm-hmm. Um, they're fucking fantastic bases for the price. Yeah. Uh, I had a 2017, but this is a 2019. I can only imagine it's just—it's pretty much the same. Dude. But it's made in Mexico. Uh, it's the Player Series, and I loved it. I almost kept that and sold all of my vintage shit just because it was uh, such a good instrument. Such a good instrument. So that's the, uh, wow, the jazz bass. You were ro- rocking right out of the gate. I also found a precision bass for four, for 500, but it was more of a parts bass slapped together, and I wasn't as interested. So, uh, so we'll do the Fender Jazz. Um, then I found. So that was four. Are you keeping track? That was four fifty. Four fifty, yeah. Now for well, this is three sixty. Let's just say three fifty to keep. it Okay, easy. sure. So eight hundred bucks. Yeah, eight hundred. I found an orange B one hundred BXT fifteen inch bass combo. Oh, amp, I've seen that bad boy. Which on is a hundred watt solid state, but I think for a show it'd be just fine. Probably be okay. You, it, you might have to also run the DI out of it. I figured know? they'd mic it. You yeah, know, like you know, it's Shubas or whatever the fuck we're playing. Um, but that's actually a pretty good little. That's a good deal too, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks cool on that black they livery. did not have any sweet deals like when you were looking for a rig and you like remember the guy who was trying to sell like that mark base for like two hundred dollars or like or it was like an eden head? i bought i bought oh dude i bought a couple packages 
is like that. Yeah, nowadays. or you got that uh, the fucking Goliath. The thing. Goliath. Oh my god. The oh, what was that called? Was it Goliath? Yeah, the S the six. No, I'm thinking about SWR. what was that weird Chinese head that I had. Oh, what was like, I don't even know. It was crazy it was looking, called, like the U turn or something. I don't <laughs> know. All shit. right, so we're at 800 bucks for the for the base and the amp. That's nothing, oh, dude, dude. I'm way under, man. I got you beer, get a I fancy, got beer money, dude. You can- <laughs> I got fucking 500 bucks for beer money tonight. Uh, so we're at 800. <laughs> Holy shit. I found I might, a, maybe I, I need some of your money. I found a Boss TU, T, TU tuner for $55. Uh-huh. Yeah. So we're at eight fifty. I, I saw the same one, but I decided for, that one. You thought for, I would I take went, it? I, I did. I went for a cheaper tuner. They did have a... Uh, did you get the Korg that was I, right underneath it? The DT10. So I was going to get one of those. Yeah. yeah. So that was 30. I used to own that pedal. Well, I Not figured exact, I, got, yeah. I got all this expendable cash. I mean, yeah. I might as well use it. And then most... Uh, probably interesting to our listeners... I picked up for my overdrive distortion and boost a Bogner Ecstasy pedal. Oh, the Bogner Blue for one sixty. Oh yeah, that's a cool pedal. So dude. I think I'm at what eight fifty plus one sixty. Dude, I can tell you about. So your eight fifty. That's 11, 1, 11, 10, 10. Yeah. Uh, I I've got something else that you could actually fucking get. This is the Doug Pinnock DP three X signature effects pedal made by Tech Twenty One. It's got. All sorts of fun little bass Multis? stuff in there. Multis? For, but it's all analog multi. It's like a compressor, a drive, Whoa. tuner, equalizer, and I think even an octave uh, for 170 bucks. So you don't even need any of those other pedals. I mean, barring the fact that I have to learn how to use it before tonight. But uh, it's all it's just got knobs. It looks so easy. Oh, yeah. okay. Well, shit. Thanks. Throw it in the mix, man. I know, dude. I mean, still, you can buy fucking dinner really, for everyone. I know. Well, it's yeah. Beers, beers on me tonight, dude. So, so that was what would we say? Ten, ten for for just the rig yeah. as or no? And plus, how much was the pedal? Uh, the pedal was once. No, that was with the pedal. That was with the pedal. So you still got almost five hundred bucks to. Because I had eight hundred. Then um, it was eight hundred. Yeah, you're right. And then to about two hundred. And then fifty five for the for the tuner, and then uh, one sixty. Dude, the, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna say that with that extra money. Yeah. Get yourself like another, you know, like a a two ten cabinet. Throw that underneath. Yeah, I bet you can run a line out from. I that, bet uh, you could. Yeah. yeah. Now I did go a little weak on the bass amp. I'm a little disappointed. The power myself, of the, the pressure bass got amp. Me. I, the pressure was real, man. I was nervous. I thought this was going to be all fun and games. And I got in there. I was like, oh, my God, I I'm, might not I'm, find My armpits anything. are sweaty. You know what it actually reminds me of? Like in Family Feud, the the final round where they, they want to go back to the question. Yes. They go skip it, go back. Exactly. My bass amp was like, let's that we'll take that, but we're going to skip it and come back. Mm. So I, I booked that. was my that. guitar. I didn't have time to come back for another bass amp, which I would have done. Uh, but please, let's okay. let's hear yours. All right, here we go. This is so fun. Well, Dave, I've got a. I don't know. You might. You may be disappointed. You might not. We'll see what happens. I'm really. I curious. really wanted a semi hollow of some sort. Okay. I didn't find one exactly for what I was looking for. There were two guitars that I found. Okay, let's hear it. Depending on how tight we are with these rules here, I might have to choose with one or the other. So I found a Gibson Les Paul tribute. So oh, an actual Gibson yeah. for nine hundred and fifty dollars. That's a good which, amount, which is a lot for it's a big chunk for of your this. percentage. I know, yeah. trust me, I know. But it's a 2021. You didn't go epi. Outstanding condition. I looked, there wasn't much, really? but except for like the real low end stuff that yeah. I know I wouldn't want to play. Okay. Oh, like those two hundred dollar ones or whatever. Exactly yeah. the specials, which I have one of those. Yeah. I've done it, but like I know me, I mostly connect with the guitar. I want a Gibson. I was going to ask you, you know, about it those looks tributes. So, it looks okay. I, I uh, like the finish. It doesn't actually. have any binding. The finish looks good in some of the pictures. Some of the pictures it looks a little tomatoey for the sake the of one gig. No, it's humbuckers. Oh, it is. Okay. I need I need humbuckers. Yeah. I was looking, I really was looking for a Sheridan. That's what I was trying to find was maybe like a five, six, seven hundred dollar Epiphone Sheridan. Right. Which is like their 335. So it's semi-hollow, yep. but it's got humbuckers. None on Chrysler. I am very right attracted now. to those. I, f- I found one on Reverb recently and I was like, I've never seen this before. Yeah. This is cool. They're, they've been making them for a long time. Epiphone made them back in the day. It's just um, one of those guitars. There were none to be found. So I was like, fuck. What do I do? I need something with humbuckers. Yeah. I went to I went to this Les Paul. That was the, the only affordable Les Paul. Did you consider an Ibanez Artcore? That is the other guitar that I have sitting on my list right now. The Ibanez Artcore Artcore AS seventy three oh, for four hundred dollars. There it is. So that was my other option. I mean, um, you know, I let's played, see how the rest. I've played a bunch of those. Yeah. The newer ones have not been my favorite guitars, mm-hmm. and this is from twenty nineteen, so it's hit or miss. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling I would get along with the Les Paul a bit more. However. Here's the rest. So we already talked about the tuner pedal, $35 DT10. Yeah, nice move. Now, Dave, here is where things get a little controversial. (laughs) Dave. Yeah. I decided to buy my own amp from myself that I currently have for us. No (laughs) way. You can't do that. The Bogner Alchemist 212 combo for $550. That's a good deal. 550 plus the 950 of that last Paul is exactly know, $1,500. You so, bought your own gear. So I bought my 
<laughs> no, our house let, has got ransacked. Let me let. Jerry, no, it was the the van, and this oh. is and this is and this is just this has been. I dude, I have so many amps. That is the only one that is like. I have other things on Craigslist, but this is the only one that like has a listing. It has okay f- enough power. I've gigged with this on stage many times, and it has built in reverb and delay, so I can do all my shit like that that I yeah. like to do without having to pa- buy any pedals, and. It's exactly fifteen hundred dollars. Plus, I know the guy, so I could, <laughs> I could, I could work me down thirty-five bucks, buy uh, that tuner, and then I can actually keep my guitar in tune. For the sake of hilarity and entertainment, I'll let it slide. But it should be against the rules to buy it was, your own gear. It was my as we as we opened this up, I was like, "That's amazing." My amps on there, hilarious. I'm gonna. That was my first thing. I I just you like, didn't got have that any other amps that you. Picked. I was looking for other amps, and I and I just I decided I needed a combo because There's I should try cool, to do uh, a head in a cab yeah. would have gotten too expensive with my nine hundred and fifty dollar Les Paul. I started panicking. I was like, fuck, I don't even have a fuzz. I searched fuzz. There is not a single yeah. fuzz pedal for sale right now. Yeah, I, I didn't There were see some it. distortions. I saw a guy who had a bunch of pedals for sale, and then it was just a wall of text. I'm like, I'm oh, not going through this. Oh, and they're all very expensive, because yeah, no. I've looked at that list fuck previously. That yeah, he has a crazy... And they're all down in central Illinois, I think, too. Oh, that wouldn't count. Yeah. yeah. Um, wait, so... Okay, I, I guess I'll let it slide. I did see a really cool... What'd you say? I like a... Well, you... You probably wouldn't ever want to go solid state, but I'm just saying if you mm-hmm. had to, you know, for the sake of an 45 minute gig, yeah. there was a cool Yamaha, uh, 70s Yamaha solid state, kind of like the yeah. Roland. That I you saw used that. I think that might be a bass amp. It's like a 115 combo. Uh, might have been. Those are super cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, the thing is, is I rely on going back and forth with like clean sounds and then like heavily fuzzed out things. Yeah. And so that means either I need a channel switching amp such as that Bogner, or I need to have a really strong clean amp with uh, a good fuzz pedal and i could not find a single fuzz pedal on chicago craigslist currently is really fucked up so the amp takes care of the uh so the amp does the distortion and all that shit yeah all right so is that it the the tuner and the amp and the guitar if i can talk myself or the guitar owner down 35 dollars to get that and you still went over buying your own amp. i went over yeah it was well it was 1500 for the guitar and the amp flat I look. I could have got a more expensive bass, but I found one for four hundred and fifty. Which is why I've got that Ibanez Art Core right. sitting there. So I think you could have rocked a, with that and then got like a crazy amp. Which I would have done. I couldn't, dude. As the time was ticking, I couldn't find anything. And that brings up a really interesting debate and question. And and maybe I don't know how long we've been going. Maybe we want to save it for next week. But what's more important, the guitar or the amp? Yeah, and you can't say you right. can't say equally as important. No, obviously for me it's a guitar that. for sure. I mean, is the tone. I think more of the sound comes from, from the, the amp, maybe, yeah. but. Playability. I, if I don't want to play the instrument, then I'm going to have a miserable time, and I'm not going to sound good, and I'm yeah. going to be fucking pissed off and not uh, communicating yeah. well. So, for I have to have a guitar that plays really good. Okay. So maybe that art, art core could, you know, I could yeah. maybe if I had the time to like set it up. I don't know. No. Uh, Sounds like we're going straight to the gig. Man. I think with the Lester, I know what I'm going to get. Yeah. Ninety percent of the time, so that's kind of where I gravitate towards that even though like you said that was like two, two-thirds of my budget yeah straight off that the was top, aggressive which i think goes to the point of your question which is more important for me the right. guitar or the amp i yeah. think that yeah the guitar granted i truly believe and this isn't just because i want to sell the thing 550 dollars for that bogner is the best fucking deal on, this a, is a great deal. on an amp that there exists i mean granted yes they were made in china like they're you know on a circuit board or whatever they're fucking all tube made by bogner with George Trips, the guy who made the Line 6 DL4 and yeah. all of Way Huge's effects with his delay and reverb built in. I mean, it's just like... It, and the, the, and uh, it has a boost, too. And they didn't... They didn't... Uh, it wasn't like they manufactured those forever and they just started like throwing parts no. at them. Very short amount right. of time. It was Which like a couple years. I think makes them more valuable yeah. and, and probably put more attention to detail in those. And I've gigged a lot with those things. Yeah. And and that has a tube in it? it That's it's a fully tube amp. Yeah, yeah full it's tube. full tube pre and power amp. It didn't have like a switch where you could go solid state if a tube blows or some shit. No, like but that. it does have. You can either go twenty watts or forty watts, okay. and I always, I always just liked a little bit more of the headroom with forty watts. Yeah. I, that's my sound, right? But dude, that I mean, I truly believe in a pinch there is no better just like sub, whatever you can get them for sub yeah. six hundred, sub seven hundred dollar amp than that. All right, that's my that's my vibe. So that's my. What do you say? B- bass or amp is more important. Um, I also went with like a bass that I knew right away. Look, I mean, look at what we picked an order of, right? We picked guitars first. Yep. So I think that kind of answers the question. Um, but yeah, again, I, I think that uh, the deal on that that player jazz bass, man, I mean, if I still, I want that thing, dude. I mean, if you want a jazz that sounds like a jazz, I, I loved it, man. When I got when I got that one that I basically knew I was going to flip because Sweetwater was blowing them out. Oh, and I yeah, was like, yeah, oh, yeah. I can make like 200 bucks on this thing. And I did. Um, 
they just had like a scratch and dent sale thing where they were just. I remember that. Oh yeah. Anyways, was that, that might was that during was that pre podcast or were we all? I think that might have been pre pod. Were we already casting? I think we were casting. Which, by the way, we're at like two and a half years now, over two and a yeah. half years, which is weird. I was talking to some buddies the other night, and uh, they were like, for that uh, that going away party thing that I went to, and they're like, "You're still doing that podcast?" Yeah. And I was like, "Yeah." Every and they're like, "Holy shit! How long has that been going on?" I was like, "Dude, 138 episodes, you yeah. know, this week." So, and they're like, and I was like, "Once a week." So, arguably, you could say that's how many weeks. I mean, I know there's a few. It's a little, it gets a little sketchy. It's a little sketchy yeah. in the middle with the Nam stuff. Whatever, you know. Over two and a half years. Yeah. So I think that's pretty admirable. Go man. us. Yeah. Dude, also admirable that challenge. Just seeing so you know, Seal Challenge twenty twenty one. I think I mean it's it's the sort of thing we could repeat because it just depends on what's on, what's on Craigslist yeah. that day. We could set some different parameters. So that might come back in the future is all yeah. I'm gonna say. I like I, it. I had fun we'll with it. We'll see how it works with And the it was stressful the... keeping ourselves ourselves down. How many minutes was it? Five? I think we went to six, but okay. it was really yeah. yeah, it was really five minutes. I think um five minutes was a good time and I think a thousand would be a better thing. Ooh, that would be you could have you dude, that's just cause you did a thousand. But I think Look, I mean, if there was a squire, I probably would have picked up a squire bass yeah, or something for like a couple for sure. bucks. So, yeah, by the way, go go buy that jazz bass, man. That's good. I kind of want it. It's, it's kind of boring. It's like a sunburst Mexican jazz bass, but, but I want a jazz. They're great. And if we know anything about jazz basses, they're going up in price as we speak. No, so. we know. The next bass I'm going to get, it's going to be short scale, and I'm going to put some tape wound strings on there so I can pretend I'm Paul McCartney. <laughs> Let's get that guy a tone over here, man. <sighs> All right. Well, friends, that was a fun That one. was a barn burner. I had a lot of good, t- a lot of good times. A lot Me of too. Fun. I feel like we were talking quick. Yep. And uh, so, yeah, if you're still with us and you made it this far in the episode, why don't you go make some music or do your own Craigslist challenge?